Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Hello, BTK listeners. This is Patrick. I've got Kevin, Jason, and John here with me, and we are thrilled to introduce the Behind the Knife's premium general surgery oral board review. Today, you'll hear a sample scenario from this comprehensive audio review course, which includes 92 scenarios that meticulously cover 115 score core topics. The course has an exciting and entirely unique format. Each of the 92 scenarios includes two parts. The first part is a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Scenarios are five to seven minutes long and include a variety of tactics and styles. If you're able to achieve this level of performance in your preparation, you are sure to pass the oral exam with flying colors. The second part introduces high-yield commentary to each scenario. This commentary includes tips and tricks to help you dominate the most challenging scenarios in addition to practical, easy-to-understand teaching that covers the most confusing topics that we face as general surgeons. We are confident you will find this unique, dual-format approach a highly effective way to prepare for the test. So why did we take this on? Well, we simply were not happy with the other oral board prep courses out there. First off, they're ridiculously expensive. No one should have to pay that much. Second, their content is subpar and out of date, so we took matters into our own hands. This oral board review course was designed to not only outperform the competitors, but also save you hundreds of dollars. You should also know that revenue generated from this course will be put right back into Behind the Knife to support creation of more awesome content. It's a win-win for everyone involved. To learn more about Behind the Knife's premium general surgery oral board review, visit www.behindthenife.org and click on the premium tab. You can access additional oral board review material, including a 10-part review series and supplementary mock oral board scenarios by clicking listen, series, and then oral boards, or by simply searching oral boards. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, register for a free Category 1 CME, and even purchase some merchandise. For regular updates, follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, with that, let's get started with Part A a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Behind the Knife Premium Scenario 69, Cardiac Trauma Developed by Patrick Georgioff Read by examiner Patrick Georgioff and examinee John McClellan An 18-year-old male presents to the trauma bay following a stab wound to the left chest. He is anxious and pale, but conversant. He has bilateral breast sounds. Femoral pulses are palpable, but weak. GCS is 15. Heart rate is 130. Blood pressure, 88 over 60. Respiratory rate, 30. And oxygen saturation, 98% on a non-rebreather mask. Secondary survey reveals no other injuries. How would you like to proceed? You are at a level one trauma center with full support. Okay. Yeah. I would start with a fast exam, uh, and then a chest x-ray. Uh, I'd also like to obtain at least two large bore IV access, uh, send a full set of comprehensive labs and, uh, order blood to, to bedside immediately. Fast exam shows a large pericardial tamponade with depressed cardiac function and chest x-ray is unremarkable. Okay. In this case, I would take this person to the opera room as soon as possible. I'd also begin a blood transfusion, uh, either whole blood or a one-to-one balance, uh, product. So the operating room would be ready in less than five minutes. You note that the patient's oxygen saturation has declined from 98% to 90%. 
and your colleague is asking if you'd like to intubate the patient. I would definitely not intubate this patient. I would remain focused on getting to the OR as quickly as possible. I would talk to my anesthesia colleagues and make clear how unstable the patient is and how the high likelihood of hemodynamic collapse with induction and intubation. Uh, the importance of having uh, blood products in the room is super uh, is key. I would also alert the OR to my trauma needs uh, and specifically having a fully functioning sternal saw, uh, retractors, instruments, and pledge to suture. Okay, so what procedure would you perform? Uh, I'd start with sternotomy. During induction of general anesthesia and intubation, the patient loses pulses. How would you like to proceed? Uh, well, I'd be prepped and draped at this point, so I would just proceed with my sternotomy. You perform a sternotomy, open the pericardial sac, and identify a full thickness, two centimeter long stab wound to the right ventricle. There is organized cardiac activity present. How would you go about fixing this injury? Uh, well, first I want to get control of the bleeding. Uh, so I would use my finger uh, or a Foley catheter if that's available. Uh, then while having my finger or the Foley in the uh, penetrating wound, I would repair the defect with pledges suture. Uh, taking care to identify and protect the coronary vessels. Sure. Uh, what other options are available to treat pericardial tamponade? Uh, so for pericardial tamponade, one temporizing measure, uh, measure is pericardiocentesis. Um, and clamshell thoracotomy with direct repair is also an option if a sternal cell is not available uh, or if there are additional injuries present in the thorax cavities. Okay, so, so let's back up a bit. The same patient arrived to your trauma bay. This is an 18-year-old male with a single stab wound to the left chest. He is anxious and pale, but conversant. Heart rate is 130, blood pressure 88 over 60, respiratory rate 30, and oxygen saturation 98% on a non-rebreather mask. This time, he becomes unresponsive within minutes of arrival, and you can no longer feel a pulse. Fast exam shows a large pericardial tamponade with depressed cardiac function. How would you proceed at this point? So this patient has uh, lots of signs of life in the emergency bay. I would perform a resuscitative thoracotomy. At the same time, I would ask my team to place a chest tube on the right side, uh, intubate the patient uh, while everything else is going on, obtain central venous access, uh, likely above clavicles, uh, and begin massive transfusion. Sure. So what are the indications and contraindications for resuscitative thoracotomy in the setting of penetrating trauma? So resuscitative thoracotomy can be considered in patients with penetrating injury, uh, pulseless, and receiving CPR for less than 15 minutes. Uh, is contraindicated in patients without signs of life at the scene of injury, and those who present with asystole without pericardial tamponade. And how do you go about performing a resuscitative thoracotomy? Uh, first, I would ensure my team and I are wearing appropriate uh, PPE, and then I would position the patient's left arm above their head and use a scalpel to make an excision extending from the medial aspect of the sternum all the way down to the stretcher or bed, uh, crossing immediately beneath the nipple at a man and in the infirmary fold in a woman. Uh, with the chest wall exposed, I would use a pair of heavy scissors to cut through the intercostal musculature, staying along the superior aspect of the void to avoid the neurovascular bundle. I then place a finish head over a tractor and open the chest widely. Once in the chest, I'd open the pericardial sac, avoiding the phrenic nerve in the process, and examine the heart. I would make repairs as needed and start cardiac massage. I would also cross-clamp the aorta and address any injuries to the lung. Great. Let's back up. The same patient arrives to your trauma bay. Again, this is an 18-year-old male. Single stab wound to the left chest, anxious, pale, heart rate 130, blood pressure 88 over 60, respiratory rate 30, and oxygen saturation 98% on a non-rebreather mask. This time, he has decreased breast sounds on the left, and chest x-ray shows a large hemothorax. In this circumstance, the FAST exam is negative. A chest tube is placed and puts out a liter of blood. How would you proceed? Uh, I'd start with my same steps. I would make sure I have good IV access. I would give a bal balanced resuscitation or whole blood. Uh, and then monitor the chest tube output. 
Okay, you do that, and the chest tube puts out another 500 cc's of blood in the next 30 minutes. The patient's heart rate and blood pressure remain the same after two units of packed red blood cells and two units of fresh frozen plasma. Okay, so the patient has ongoing bleeding from the left chest and is hemodynamically unstable uh, and not responsive to blood transfusion. I would take the patient to the operating room urgently for a left thoracotomy. Okay, in the OR, you find another liter of blood in the chest and a large laceration to the left lower lobe. There's brisk bleeding from deep within the laceration. What would you do next? Uh, I would get control of the hilum, uh, either manually or with some type of clamp uh, to control the bleeding. Okay, so you're able to get the clamp across the hilum. This does, in fact, slow the bleeding significantly. So what kind of options do you have to treat this type of an injury? Uh, it depends on the injury, but uh, some options include suture ligating in the bleeding vessels that are present uh, or performing a tractotomy or a non-anatomic resection uh, using a stapling device. Okay, you tried both of these techniques, but you're unable to control that bleeding deep within the wound. Um, the bleeding is brisk, and the patient is now cold. They're coagulopathic and acidotic, and massive transfusion is ongoing. How would you proceed at this point? If I was absolutely unable to control the bleeding, uh, as a last resort, I would perform a total pneumonectomy. Be sure to listen to Part B for high-yield commentary and other tips and tricks. Now, you'll hear Part B, which includes high-yield commentary interspersed throughout the scenario. Behind the Knife Premium Scenario 69 Cardiac Trauma Developed by Patrick Georgioff Read by examiner Patrick Georgioff and examinee John McClellan An 18-year-old male presents to the trauma bay following a stab wound to the left chest. He is anxious and pale but conversant. He has bilateral breath sounds. Femoral pulses are palpable, but weak. GCS is 15. Heart rate is 130. Blood pressure, 88 over 60. Respiratory rate, 30. And oxygen saturation, 98% on a non-rebreather mask. Secondary survey reveals no other injuries. How would you like to proceed? You are at a level one trauma center with full support. Okay. Yeah, I would start with a FAST exam uh, and then a chest x-ray. Uh, I'd also like to obtain at least two large bore IV access, uh, send a full set of comprehensive labs, and uh, order blood to the bedside immediately. FAST exam shows a large pericardial tamponade with depressed cardiac function, and chest x-ray is unremarkable. Okay. In this case, I would take this person to the operating room as soon as possible. I'd also begin a blood transfusion, uh, either whole blood or a one-to-one balance uh, product. The only right answer here is get to the OR as soon as possible. So the operating room would be ready in less than five minutes. You know that the patient's oxygen saturation has declined from 98% to 90%. And your colleague is asking if you'd like to intubate the patient. I would definitely not intubate this patient. I would remain focused on getting to the OR as quickly as possible. I would talk to my anesthesia colleagues and make clear how unstable the patient is and how the high likelihood of hemodynamic collapse with induction and intubation. Uh, The importance of having uh, blood products in the room is super, uh, is key. I would also alert the OR to my trauma needs uh, and specifically having a fully functioning sternal saw, retractors, instruments, and pledge to suture. This is a wise choice. Do not intubate this patient in the trauma bay. Induction of anesthesia and initiation of positive pressure ventilation would likely result in hemodynamic collapse. 
This is a classic trauma case and one that requires clear communication. When you find yourself in a trauma scenario on the oral boards, think about how you can demonstrate your ability to communicate and to prepare for a challenging situation just like this one. Okay, so what procedure would you perform? Uh, I'd start with a sternotomy. Okay. Uh, during induction of general anesthesia and intubation, the patient arrests. How would you proceed at this point? Uh, well, I'd be prepped and draped at this point, so I would just proceed with my sternotomy. Sternotomy is the preferred approach for cardiac injuries. A clamshell thoracotomy is also a reasonable approach and may be required if you don't know how to do a sternotomy or you don't have a sternal saw available to you. For all the reasons previously mentioned, the fact that this patient arrests should not be a surprise to you. Fortunately, you are prepared. You perform a sternotomy, open the pericardial sac, and identify a full thickness, two centimeter long stab wound to the right ventricle. There is organized cardiac activity present. How would you go about fixing this injury? Uh, well, first I want to get control of the bleeding. Uh, so I would use my finger uh, or a Foley catheter if that's available. Uh, then while having my finger of the Foley in the uh, penetrating wound, I would repair the defect with pledges of suture, uh, taking care to identify and protect the coronary vessels. Sure. Uh, what other options are available to treat pericardial tamponade? Uh, so for pericardial tamponade, one temporizing measure, uh, measure is pericardial synthesis. Um, and clamshell thoracotomy with direct repair is also an option if a sternal cell is not available uh, or if there are additional injuries present in the thorax cavities. Now, simply placing a finger over the laceration can often control a fair amount of the bleeding. Another option is placing a Foley catheter into the wound and carefully inflating the balloon while applying upward traction. Remember, if you use a Foley, don't pull too hard as this could inadvertently make the defect bigger. One commonly accepted way to repair cardiac defects is by using 3-0 proline suture on an SH needle with felt pledgets, placing these suture bites in horizontal mattress fashion. Remember to take adequate bites of the myocardium to avoid tearing. Posterior heart lacerations can be challenging as lifting the heart can cause obstruction, hypotension, and potentially cardiac arrest. Lifting the heart for brief periods of time, just enough time to place a suture or tie a knot, is required. Finally, staples has also, also, also been used in place of suture to help close the injury in emergent situations, but would not be the preferred approach in the OR where you have all the options available to you. Pericardiocentesis is a temporizing measure that may be used only when immediate surgical intervention is not an option. This is not your first treatment choice. Similarly, there's no indication for a sub-xiphoid window in this or similar penetrating injuries. Okay, so, so let's back up a bit. The same patient arrived to your trauma bay. This is an 18-year-old male with a single stab wound to the left chest. He is anxious and pale but conversant. Heart rate is 130, blood pressure 88 over 60. Respiratory rate 30 and oxygen saturation 98% on a non-rebreather mask. This time, he becomes unresponsive within minutes of arrival, and you can no longer feel a pulse. Fast exam shows a large pericardial tamponade with depressed cardiac function. How would you proceed at this point? So this patient has a loss of signs of life in the emergency bay. I would perform a resuscitative thoracotomy. At the same time, I would ask my team to place a chest tube on the right side, uh, intubate the patient uh, while everything else is going on, Obtain central venous access, uh, likely above clavicles, uh, and begin massive transfusion. Sure. So what are the indications and contraindications for resuscitative thoracotomy in the setting of penetrating trauma? So resuscitative thoracotomy can be considered in patients with penetrating injury, uh, pulseless, and receiving CPR for less than 15 minutes. 
uh, is contraindicated in patients without signs of life at the scene of injury and those who present with asystole without pericardial tamponade? This is the age-old question. When do you perform a resuscitative thoracotomy? Remember, penetrating and blunt traumas are different beasts. You have a much better chance at reviving a patient who suffered penetrating injury. Per the Western Trauma Association, resuscitative thoracotomy may be indicated in patients with penetrating injury and less than 15 minutes of CPR and blunt injury with less than 10 minutes of CPR. Importantly, the Western Trauma Association stipulates that cardiac activity should be evaluated immediately upon entering the chest. Patients who are in asystole without cardiac tamponade are considered dead, and all resuscitative efforts should be halted immediately. The Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma conditionally recommends resuscitative thoracotomy for pulseless, penetrating trauma patients with or without signs of life. Now, signs of life are defined as pupillary response, spontaneous ventilation, the presence of carotid pulse, measurable or palpable blood pressure, extremity movement, or cardiac electrical activity. Meanwhile, patients who suffer blunt injury should only undergo recessive thoracotomy if they are pulseless with signs of life. According to the East Practice Management Guidelines, survival following resuscitative thoracotomy is 11% in penetrating patients and 2% in blunt patients. And how do you go about performing a resuscitative thoracotomy? Uh, first, I would ensure my team and I are wearing appropriate uh, PPE, and then I would position the patient's left arm above their head and use a scalpel to make an excision extending from the medial aspect of the sternum all the way down to the stretcher or bed. Uh, crossing immediately beneath the nipple at a man and in the infirmary fold in a woman. Uh, with the chest wall exposed, I would use a pair of heavy scissors to cut through the intercostal musculature, staying along the superior aspect of the void to avoid the neurovascular bundle. I then place a finish head over a tractor and open the chest widely. Once in the chest, I would open the pericardial sac, avoiding the phrenic nerve in the process, and examine the heart. I would make repairs as needed and start cardiac massage. I would also cross-clamp the aorta and address any injuries to the lung. Great. Let's back up. The same patient arrives to your trauma bay. Again, this is an 18-year-old male, single stab wound to the left chest, anxious, pale, heart rate 130, blood pressure 88 over 60, respiratory rate 30, and oxygen saturation 98% on a non-rebreather mask. This time, he has decreased breast sounds on the left, and chest x-ray shows a large hemothorax. In this circumstance, the FAST exam is negative. A chest tube is placed and puts out a liter of blood. How would you proceed? Uh, I'd start with my same steps. I would make sure I have good IV access. I would give a balanced resuscitation or whole blood uh, and then monitor the chest tube output. Okay, you do that, and the chest tube puts out another 500 cc's of blood in the next 30 minutes. The patient's heart rate and blood pressure remain the same after two units of packed red blood cells and two units of fresh frozen plasma. Okay, so the patient has ongoing bleeding from the left chest and is hemodynamically unstable uh, and not responsive to blood transfusion. I would take the patient to the operating room urgently for a left thoracotomy. Classic teaching dictates thoracotomy if there is greater than 1.5 liters of bloody output from the chest tube at the time of insertion. While this is helpful, the patient's hemodynamics and chest tube output after insertion may be more important. This patient continues to bleed from their chest and is not responding to blood transfusions, making the decision to go to the OR an easy one. Okay. In the OR, you find another liter of blood in the chest and a large laceration to the left lower lobe. There's brisk bleeding from deep within the laceration. What would you do next? Uh, I would get control of the hilum, uh, either manually uh, with some type of clamp uh, to control the bleeding. Okay. So you're able to get the clamp across the hilum. 
this does, in fact, slow the bleeding significantly. So what kind of options do you have to treat this type of an injury? Uh, it depends on the injury, but uh, some options include suture ligating in the bleeding vessels that are present uh, or performing a tractotomy or a non-anatomic resection uh, using a stapling device. Okay, you try both of these techniques, but you're unable to control that bleeding deep within the wound. Um, the bleeding's brisk, and the patient is now cold. They're coagulopathic and acidotic, and massive transfusion is ongoing. How would you proceed at this point? If I was absolutely unable to control the bleeding, uh, as a last resort, I would perform a total pneumonectomy. A tractotomy is performed by dividing lung between entrance and exit wounds using a linear stapler. This allows you to expose the injury while simultaneously sealing the lung in the process. The technique actually works quite well. Pneumonectomy is a treatment of last resort due to its high mortality, which exceeds 35%. It would also be reasonable to pack the patient's chest and return to the ICU for farther resuscitation and warming. Thank you for listening to Behind the Knife Premium Oral Board Review. Dominate the day.